HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. Register now for PASA's 2024 conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Don't miss over 70 educational sessions on farming and food systems, plus an expansive trade show. Learn more at pasafarming.org slash HRN2024. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here. And you know what? This is our 15th year. It's 2024, 15th season of, of Beer Sessions Radio. We'll be celebrating the 15th anniversary of Heritage Radio Network. And it all started here in, in the backyard studio at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. So th- this is a fitting way to start the year. I couldn't think of a, a better place to be. And uh, I'm here with one of the, the, the co-founders and owner of Roberta's Pizza I'm himself. glad I get to be your first show of the year. Usually I'm like your last show when you're like just sick of it and you want to get rid of everybody. Well, you know, there, there's something about coming here and uh, there's nothing like having the guests that we have. So before I talk too much, let's go around and everyone introduce themselves. So I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host of Beer Sessions Radio. I'm Brandon Hoy. I'm the owner of Roberta's. Yep. James Ty, principal of Beer Acolyte Consulting and Gun Hill Public House in Industry City, Brooklyn. Mike Hamaday, uh, director of operations at Roberta's. I'm Jaime Asao from Chile. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm a, uh, used to have restaurants and a brew pub in Chile. Jaime, what's your real last name, though, before we go on? Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> J- Jimmy Jimmy uh, coined him pre-show like he's giving him a wrestler's name. So he's also, I don't know, nobody can see because this is radio, but he's in full spandex. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah, he looks like the ultimate warrior. <laughs> this is Jaime Asao. He's, he's here. He's going to be making a name for himself in, in, in New York. And uh, we're going to talk. That's what we're going to talk about this year. What's going to be hot this year in New York? And again, it's fitting to be at Roberta's because to me, 
this is this is where some things are happening from you know the the, the first pizzas and everything let's let's start with how, how this place started and some of the first dishes that really yeah. took off and it is and the what birthplace the, of pizza what the history so you know. is of Roberta's and why <laughs> it means so much to all of us here so. yeah uh, hey we, we started in uh 2008 and um you know just some dudes trying to to do something other than get wasted and uh you know wake up in some strange person's house at at uh you know six in the morning so you, the really the pizza thing came because we we really loved you know like frank pepe's and like new new haven pizza and and what we liked about it was <clears throat> the the style of dining right it it's a it's a place that brings people together. And if you've ever been to New Haven, you know how like New Haven pizza, it's very communal. Like everybody in town goes like three times a week. So mm-hmm. so it's a place it's it's not like New York style pizza where a lot of New York style pizza is slice. It's it's a it's a very transactional um kind of way to eat pizza it's like you go in you get your slice you go you stand you maybe stand around but but you're not like sitting at a table with people so we really wanted to bring that back there was there was only a handful of of people that were doing it you know there was there was grimaldi's and and patsy still was doing it but it was like really the old school lutzo's um john's on bleaker john's uh maturo's you know it was just uh it was still like a really um, tight community of people. And we were by far the outsiders. There wasn't, you know, we were like kids and they were like the old guard. And, and we were, we weren't really like trying to break into that scene, but, but that's what we were trying to do. We wanted a place where people in this neighborhood, there was a lot of cool, like creative people. It was a very diverse neighborhood. There was a lot of artists, musicians, fucking weirdos, like the weirdest people ever lived in this neighborhood. <laughs> uh, you know, like wearing underwear on their heads. And I don't, I don't know what kind of weird shit they're doing, but it was bonkers. And, and really, we wanted a place where a watering hole where we could bring all these kind of weirdos together and we felt like pizza was really the thing because you know it's it it sits in the middle of the table you all reach in for it everyone shares and and in the early days all everything was like very shareable communal style and um you know we we really were trying to push the boundaries on the way people looked at pizza what you could do on toppings we we weren't traditionalists we weren't like following some Italian DOC. We were really just some dudes just trying to make good food at a at a very high quality. You know, we were growing vegetables on the roof of this building that we're sitting in, um, that was and and in the backyard. We we were just doing DIY kind of just weird stuff and and the beer program was the same thing. You know, in two thousand eight, there wasn't really a huge craft like bar scene happening here. So we were just trying to find local people that were doing cool stuff. Uh, most of it was happening upstate. There wasn't a ton like there is now happening in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, kind of the the wine program, same way, just looking for sustainable stuff that was things that we, we could relate to philosophically. And, um, you know, I, that, that was kind of the impetus. And I think you just, you set the beat, right? Well, you know and what it someone is? someone else plays drums. Coming, coming into the beginning of the year, we're going to come on strong. Everyone in this room has cred in the industry. And, and we're going to let them establish their cred for our listeners. 
because then we're going to talk about how great this year is going to be for all of our businesses and, and the endeavors that we do. So uh, I want to jump to, to Mike, because Mike, I first met you were running Tours, that, that great first beer bar. You went out to Las Vegas, your your operations genius. And now you're here at Roberta's. Yeah. Just tell us what you're doing, a little overview of what Roberta's is now. So, so people can understand. It keeps me from going crazy. Is really, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I've always loved Roberta's, and um, when I was coming back to New York, I was like, super excited to to be able to work with these guys. I first actually started coming here uh, for this very show, actually, uh, with you. Um, always appreciated the, the the beer menu. The food was always great, and just always such a cool place to hang out. So. Um, yeah, we're doing, there's a lot of kind of cool stuff happening, uh, at Roberta's. We have our spot in Bushwick. Uh, we have a spot in Williamsburg now, uh, as well. Uh, each of the locations has like a little bit of, of a different vibe. Um, you know, the, the one in Domino, uh, Williamsburg location is kind of like a, a grown up version of the Bushwick spot. Uh, we have Foul Witch now, uh, which is kind of ele- elevating food even more. Um, uh, still staying on like the Italian side of things, uh, not super traditionally, but uh, always amazing wine. Uh, and they have a really good beer list there also. Um, you know, one, one thing, Mike and, and Brendan, uh, one thing I love about Roberta is it's always evolving in a good way. But it's, it's, it's also... It's like, not always in a good way. Sometimes it devolves as well. And then you have to pick it back up from the ground. Well, that, you know, reinvention. But you, you've got, you know, you, you come for the pizza, but but then it's like I fall in love with the entrees, the meat dishes. Now I'm always getting all the vegetable dishes and, of course, the pasta. How, how, how is that balance? Did you guys try to get that balance or just like let, letting the, the, the kitchen do their magic or the customers just respond? I, I think it, a lot of it is just giving autonomy to people who are good at their jobs. And I think, you know, throughout the years, we've had some incredible chefs here who've gone on to done to do great things. And I think it's just giving them, empowering them to, like, kind of see the menu in their eyes. And some of them, their their strengths are vegetables. Some of them, their strengths are proteins. And I think that you see that with the menu. It kind of ever evolves. Carlo also, you know my partner and and you know kind of the main chef always looking over on things he's also like goes through these phases where he's just like all he wants to do is protein and then it's just like all he wants is vegetable <laughs> so it's like you kind of also just see the experience of like where his head is at so and then and then there's just like outside influences like here, you know, we're opening Blanca back up, which has been closed since since COVID. We've been closed, you know, the whole time since COVID happened. And and we're opening that back up um, with Victoria Blamey. And she's been around campus. And it's like having another chef, like, around for people to bounce things off of. It's just ideas start to, like, percolate. And I think things happen kind of naturally when there's a lot of creative people around. The, the other thing is, like, for a long time, I think the sort of, like, the inside track here was always that back kitchen, right? Like, the place is known for pizza, but, like, people in the know, like, know that pasta is amazing here. And the bread program is amazing here. Like, all of the bakery stuff. Um, and it's amazing the amount of people uh, that work in every facet of the, the industry throughout New York City and everywhere else, really, that have been through these kitchens here 
like a lot of the guys that I, I work with uh, at Torst uh, and subsequently too have, have been through these kitchens. Uh, and I called all of them uh, when I was thinking about the. We're, we're kind of stuff. slutty. Yeah, yeah. We're a very open door <laughs> policy here. <laughs> just just come in, leave something, you know. No, it's it's more communal. That, that's the way I would <laughs> Thank you. That was very nice. And, and you know, now we're going to go to James because James, um, since it's the beginning of the year, uh, let's talk about this beer because this is the first beer I'm drinking on air for oh, yeah? 2023. Nice. What, what is it? So this is the Wild East. Uh, it's their Dark Mild, you know. Um, what's it? Uh, temperance. Temperance. Thank you. Yeah, it's great people. Um, I, I think they're making some of the best beers in the city. You know, I think Brett Taylor, like a lot of kudos to him. And so this is a beer that uses typically a little bit of undermodified malt, uh, the beer style. So you're going to get like these cooling elements to it. You know, it might have some matcha tea, a little bit of cucumber. I think it's coming through in this particular beer as well. Uh, very low in terms of uh, hop drive bitterness, uh, not a lot of uh, hop aromatics and flavor. Uh, it's a very easy drinking, as the kids say, sessional beer. Um, and it, it's actually one of my favorites, you know, both the style and this particular commercial example. Yeah, that, kudos to Roberta's. I don't know who's doing the beer list now. Is that you, Mike? No, no. Yeah. I'm, I am certainly helping drive the ship. Uh, and uh, we are, are, are definitely making a focus this year in uh kind of rededicating ourselves to like making sure that like really good high-end craft beers available here at all times uh and we especially love you know all of the people in new york city that are doing a great job and we'll 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 uh you know bring in everybody that's that's doing particularly good examples of craft you know, beer outside of talking about 2024 like for me a lot of times i mean i'm spoiled i've been in the industry my whole adult life when I go out to regular places, I call them regular places because you know what I mean. It's like I sometimes can't get a decent glass of wine. I can't get a, a decent glass of beer. And I, and I don't mean it's cheap. You know what I'm saying? The, yeah. The mouthfeel and the and the production, whatever, however you want to describe that. And hopefully you guys can tell us. I think one goal today is to, to say what what is a good drink? What is good food? That's always but the But I, I think that problem just comes from oversaturation. I think the the – Operators have a very difficult task because this day and age, there is so many options when it comes to wine, beer. It's it's if you're not fanatical or you're, you don't love something, it's really hard because there's just too much out there. Yep. Yeah, not even that it's hard, but it's actually obvious. You know, if you if you see that you see a program that's out there, and you can see like there's not a dedication, there's nothing conscientious about that program. It's very evident. You know, when you walk into a place. Well, I just want to say, again, seeing that this English Dark Mild 3.1% beer from Wild East or Friends is on tap here, it's it's January, it's exactly what we're going to drink, so great job. And now, Mr. Jaime Asado, Asado. Asado. Um, you tell us your creds, because you, you've had restaurants, you've you had a brew pub. Because uh, Well, yeah, we, we started a brew pub seven, eight, eight years ago in Chile, we sold it like three years three years or four years ago. And we got there when when there was no much around. So we had to fight with educating and trying to to put a product that was completely different. And and we we got all those uh fights that you got in the beginning when it's something new. On the on the side we had a, a different a different project that uh, 
that it was completely different. It was a, a big a big restaurant, and we took it over because it was closed, and and it was a big patio, so we had no idea how to fill it up because it was so big. So we decided to open first all the parking lot, and we decorated as our huge garden, and we invite food trucks. And so we started like that, and then we opened the kitchen side and, and work it all out. Uh, but in the in the beer industry, I've been 20 years collaborating with different projects and, and trying to to do different things with different people and trying to 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 show beer and educate about beer. And, and now you're in a, a place where you want to open up a, a Chilean asado upstate. Yes, know? yes, mm-hmm. yes. We we got to we uh, I, I just arrived to New York a couple months ago, and and the idea or mainly idea is just to find a farm upstate New York uh, just to do events for small amount of people and just to barbecue, not just to just to fill the meat. It's just like the event on social, the social event asado means because it's like a eating all day kind of thing and like uh, sharing and, 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 and it's a social, social event more than just eating a piece of steak. And we're trying to get him to do that exact thing here at Roberta's in the backyard this summer. Well, yeah, it'll happy, be fun. Open flames. Let's just don't burn the place down. But usually, sometimes we get a little too drunk and a fire gets awry. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what's, well, what's happening live, over there? Live fire cooking is hot. So tell us who inspired you. You, you know, we, we as Americans might know uh, one of the famous guys from uh, Paraguay. The, oh, uh, no, beef, um, on beef? Talking about, I mean, meat you're, 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 you're a Sato friend. Oh, oh, no, I mean, I mean, Francis Momon is one of the most, I mean, known, especially in Argentina, because it's Argentinian and, and has restaurants all around the globe. But, uh, but it's, 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 it's the way everybody cooks. It's, he just put him in a different level and... and and I love his restaurants and everything, but we're trying to do something more like, more like casual and more more cozy, asado vibe, more like friendly, um, not like so so combining to a, a high class restaurant, more like casual. Vibe. Can, so if, you would say something like the like a Roberta's of asado then that's that's the like that. Effect. yeah well like, how about this if there's a grill and we're standing around can I just can you feed me pieces of meat as it cooks that's how it works <laughs> that's what I like that's what nobody does Brandon yeah just feeds you meat yeah. just like, just, <laughs> nobody does this I get that Brandon yeah just there's like, no restaurant doing it because yeah. you've got I, I've been in places where I've got a, the, 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 a chef front I'm not going to say names you know, the brisket comes out of the oven. You get the fresh slices, and it's unbelievable. And then, and then it's something like when it gets to you in, in the restaurant service, it's not the same. And there's yeah. nothing like having someone on a grill, with, you know, with the seasoned meat. It's probably lamb, right? Is that your preference? Um, beef or lamb? Uh, I mean, pork is good too. But I, on, on my preference, yeah, I love lamb. I love beef, and and when it's well cooked, you just need more than salt. Yeah, if we could just stand around that grill. Oh, and then yeah. and then we'd have a little counter and keep getting little drinks. And yeah. Keep getting piece little plates of meat as it comes out. It sounds like gout. 
<laughs> but it's all small. It's all small portions. That's what twenty twenty four is about. Yeah. Small portions, drinking, eat all Cause, night. Because if I, if you did that to me, I would it, I would fall asleep there, just overloaded on it, beef it, and wine. It is like but the, happy. There, there's yeah, one I, idea. I, I'm always happy, but I would. Mike, I would, there's one. There's one Japanese steakhouse theme that never took off in New York. It opened. I don't know, eight or ten years ago in the East Village. It's the stand up steak restaurant. Because when you're standing up, you can actually eat more. It's better for your digestion. So if yeah. you, if there's a grill in the backyard and he's cooking it, if you can stand up, it's like a bistro. You put your hey. you put your elbow on the bar. As a as a long time <laughs> like restaurant operator and just have been in this industry my whole life. I trained myself to I eat over a garbage can. Even at my house, I eat over the sink. Like, I never sit down to eat. I'm pretty much, you find yourself trained in this way where you just, I, I eat standing up so often and usually away from people, like, where they right. can't see me because I'm just, like, with my hands, like, just eating the, the ripped ends of something, like, trying to for nobody to see me. Did, Even you, ever, kids, did you ever come home and find a half-roast chicken in the in the in the fridge, just open it up and eat the whole chicken from the from the fridge. It sounds like you have a lot of experience with this. And, and, just, and, and if, even if I did, I wouldn't have remembered it. Because there would have been just, a lot of other things that happened previous to me opening the fridge. Brandon, what, what's fun about like, today you know, is that it's everything's loose. It's the, the first of the year. And uh, you always keep it going. But I know you love food. And I know you love to eat. But you, you are that kid that just would just eat everything. Right. I, I I would. I you don't. It's funny because a lot of people that work here actually have never seen me eat, and 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 it's like the all elusive thing. Like, have you ever seen Brandon eat? Because I do. Like, I really truly do eat this way. I'm just like I I hide, and I'm just like oh, just like like eat with like my a hand. pirate. Yeah, totally like a pirate. Well, let's talk about your places. So the the New York City operations were birds. You said before you were at Domino. Yeah, which is the Williamsburg location. So when you were there, did you grab a bite of food? Did you did the chef not, give you a, give you a piece of something on the way out? I have out? not ate all day. Are you serious? Get, yeah, I haven't. It's get it's get. But you know, like by the time I do eat, it's gonna be bad. So but, what <laughs> okay, were you so working on? What did you do with that stock of Midori? <laughs> and Midori is weird. James, have you ever made a drink with Midori? I personally have not. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hi, Asal. Have you made a drink with Midori? I haven't been that lucky. No, <laughs> I, I think you know. I think last year there was this like kind of like some of these seventies drinks were starting to come back into the zeitgeist, and they were recirculating. And 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 to be honest with you, I think somebody just fucked up and ordered too much Midori. <laughs> we're fucking sitting on a lot of Midori over there. It's, and it's cheaper if you buy four instead of one, right? Yeah. Probably Mike, right? I mean, hey. In my book, any Midori is too much Midori. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, it, I don't know what happened, but definitely something something crazy happened. But, you know, I, I was looking around. I was just trying to figure out what, what to do with this Midori. And, uh, you know, we have another restaurant, Foul Witch, and we're getting our liquor license this month. And, uh, you know, our manager, Cameron, over there, he, he owns a, a restaurant in Maine, too, called Regards. Very, very good. He's a very smart, intelligent guy. He makes great cocktails as well. He was like, just randomly, he didn't even know I was, like, staring at Midori. He was like, sent me the recipe for the Japanese slipper, which is a, a late 70s, I think early 80s, 
um, cocktail, Midori, Cointreau, lemon juice, very simple. Um, and you know, it, it, it's like a under the radar kind of like seventies classic. And I thought, wow, this is like just weird that he sent this to me. Cause I'm like sitting in here looking at all this Midori being like, what the fuck do I do with this? And, uh, you know, there was a bunch of bottles of yuzu, so I uh, so I just tried to make a play on the the Japanese slipper, and I did uh, Midori Quantro yuzu, and then Kato, who I think we've been that's right, Kato we, we, Saki out here we, in Bushwick. Yeah, yeah, we did radio together. I think all of us together. Um, the Nama, which is kind of like a like you know, a fruity, like dry. It was very, it was actually perfect. I was like, we had a few cases of that. So I did. Uh, I, I like the number seven, the Nagori. Oh, uh, the number. Just say that. Yeah. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. And we I'm went surprised to, you remember it. Well, I, we went I to barely remember that. Location so next to KCBC yeah. uh, off of the Jefferson stop. So if you're coming out to Bushwick, you got to go to Roberta's. You got to go to Kato Saki. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Well, so sweet. that was that was the move. I, I I've been trying to be over there more. You know, like Mike said, it's it it's hard when you have multiple restaurants the same name, um, you know, very close together, but they're very different. I always say that like these restaurants are like children. They 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 have the same DNA, but they grow as they get older. They separate and they're very different. You know, they're two very different restaurants with the same name. You know, they just happened to have Carlo and I's DNA in them somehow. And it, it wasn't nasty. Don't worry. Yeah. Go around. <laughs> kind of sounds know. gross. Yeah. So, so <laughs> at the, the Domino location in Williamsburg, would you have the same salad? Would you have the the same pizzas? Would you have the same specials? Uh, you know, we have, we have items that are always going to be the same. There's like, you know, we're going to have very similar salumi and things. We're going to have, you know the the meat and cheese charcuterie like in the charcuterie section a lot of that same stuff we usually always have the little gem salad and you know the four kind of basic pizzas but outside of that it's a completely different menu than than we have here those are based on the chefs that are working in those restaurants they're bringing all of their experience to bear on on that property which kind of that's what makes that property unique yeah and mike is this the first time you've you've managed more than one location? Yes. Because I always feel like that must be a huge learning curve. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Roberta's itself has been a, a huge learning curve. Um, there's uh, there's uh, so much going on, uh, even on this property alone, because there's uh, the takeout spot and the bakery. Uh, in the summertime, the, the backyard is just activated all the time uh, with concerts and weddings and... Um, and, and Jimmy, and Jimmy, yes, exactly. Asado, I'm asado. Coming this summer, and then uh, yeah, then there's the restaurant itself, and then there's the tiki bar, which also gets activated. Like in December, we did a an entirely new pop up restaurant and bar with its own uh, food and drinks. Um, so there's a lot just on. So this wait, where does the alone. food come come out for that? Out of the teeny little, like, <laughs> nine-square-foot kitchen in the back of Roberta's. Mm-hmm. Now, is it true that when you first started, you guys, the first, because I know you put in a new pizza oven. The first pizza oven, did you build around it? Is is that how it 
first started? No, well, the first pizza oven came from a small town in Italy, in northern Italy, called Fusano, and it's a Pavazzi, same same uh, oven that's here today. It was the first one actually in America. We shipped it. We we bought it from some sketchy Italians. They they sh- we shipped it DA- DHL, and uh, they lost it lost in air quotes because they were just holding it ransom until we gave them more money they extorted us but when we got it in we the front was kind of like fully open because this was like construction place so we once we put it in it was kind of stuck here we put we we brought it in with a forklift through the back actually through those double doors right there with a forklift and then brought it in and dropped it and then we built the place around it and then it was like we couldn't get it out so we had a so a couple years ago didn't you put a new one in yeah we knocked the wall down oh yeah (laughs) literally you took the wall down took the old one out and brought the new one in yeah and then rebuilt the wall yeah and i was pissed because you were closed for was it one day one day (laughs) one day one day where was the second one from the same 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 italians no 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 (laughs) we actually bought it from pavazzi the the manufacturer which if we would have known i would have done it the first time I didn't need to buy it used. Well, you you, you learn a lot. You know, there's yeah. something about you. You got a lot to teach people about opening places, and uh, it's still amazing that you're here now. This is what your 16th year or 15th yeah, year? 16. Yeah, 2008. Our sweet 16. Congrats! Like we're, gonna, we're gonna have a party back here. It's gonna be like you know, it's, <coughs> it's some, somebody's bat mitzvah in the yeah. back. You know. Well, that's a, James. I just wanted to appreciate you, man, because. You know, I've known you for so long. Your, your creds are high. Your advanced Cicerone. Your many things. When I look at your Instagram, I can't even figure out all those initials that signify um, your accreditation. Come on, come on. What stop. are they? You're like, is it M S E T or W S E T? So yeah, so there's there's W S E T certification. I'm actually working on maybe it's a little bit too early to talk about, but being an online tutor for their upcoming like beer certifications as well. Um, you know, again, surf, uh, Cicerone certifications, you know, BJCP certifications, a lot of sensory training. Um, so you're kind of the, the professor of this industry. He's like of. a doctor. You're becoming the professor. Beer. No, I'm just kind of, I don't know what I call myself, you know, just a, 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 a continual student of the industry. <clears throat> that's what I would say. Yeah. You yeah. have the right attitude all the time. And gone, and gone home public, man. Yep. Last, last year we had a, a, a rye event with rye whiskey, rye yes. grains, Castellet. Mm-hmm. And really, it was great to get introduced to Industry City. Yep. Um, how's it going? You've got some cool stuff going on there. But what, what's it like running a, a brew pub in, in a big, big place like Industry City? Um, I mean, it comes with a lot of advantages, but you know, at the same time, certain challenges as well. Um, it's great. I think it's, it's an awesome complex. I think the, um, the operators are, are fantastic. I think a lot of the tenants there are great. Um, it, it provides just a plethora of different distractions for anybody, you know, any group at any given time. Um, and so, you know, we see a lot of different people, you know, that, that walk through the doors and, and, you know, we appreciate everybody that comes through and, and we have great conversations and, and obviously great drinks as well. What, what's your drink for 2024? <sighs> well, we start off the, the Wild East, the, the English Dark Mild. Right. I would say whatever's in front of me. I think yeah. that's, that's my drink. You know, I think everybody at the table would agree with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you never want to be that one person. I, I learned this early on um, and I, I don't want to get like, you know, too 
too kind of dark or like too negative, but you never <laughs> want to be that person that just kind of refuses a drink that, that it just, you know, it, it takes away from the vibe. You know, you're, I don't know what you're trying to prove at that point. You know, if someone's offering you something, you know, please accept it, you know, with, you know, full, like, you know, full heart and, and just really appreciate that moment. I just, I just actually had this conversation with Jimmy's wife. When somebody tells you they're not drinking it's just their way of convincing themselves that they're really not drinking. Because if you're really not <laughs> oh, yeah, drinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to tell anyone. You're just like, no, I'm good. Like, but you don't like come out and say, hey, guys, I'm not drinking. <laughs> right, right. Because right. if you're saying that, you're just saying it to yourself. Like, really, I'm not drinking. Definitely. <laughs> Who are you convinced? Right? It's that- not anybody else because most people don't believe you. They're like, yeah, sure. Right. Thank you. Because that's where I wanted this show to go. This is the January show. And we are talking about drinking. So, um, of course. Mike, for you, uh, you brought, I asked you guys to bring something that you're drinking this year. You brought something. Yeah, your my drink of the year, one of them anyway, is going to be Genopy. Uh, and this is a great example of it. This is the, from January Spirits. Uh, and uh, these guys are uh, right here in Bushwick, uh, right around the corner uh, from uh, John and Lucky. Uh, two guys I worked with at Torst, as it happens. But uh, <laughs> the spirit is. Uh, is actually amazing. Um, so it's a alpine herbal uh, li- uh, liqueur. It's like a, d- a digestive. Uh, uh, get down to the bottom of it. Uh, it's fifty percent alcohol, so it also packs a punch. But uh, it's herbal. Uh, it's sweet, but not overly sweet, um, and it's just delicious. Yeah, it's like uh, like a, a walk in the forest. All right. Well, uh, so I'm gonna pour a little right now. Right. Stop talking. More pouring. Yeah. <laughs> And then my boy, I, I, I think I, I think as a, I, and then I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that I I think a future trend, if it's not this year, but soon, I think these more kind of um, geographically um, like centralized liquors, like Genopee, which is a northern Italian, uh, it's it's usually in the Alps, right? So they're they're foraging for alpinus, like berries, juniper, right? Um, and I think things like this, I'm, I'm going to Montenegro next week to look for Rakia. Salute. I don't know if you oh, guys nice. are familiar with, with it's a Balkan, um, cheers to cheers. everyone. Cheers. 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 It's a, it's a Balkan liqueur usually made with, um, grape plum or apricot. So, but I, I, I think a trend is going to start going towards these kind of like single origin liquors, um, you, you, you really saw these big jumps, right? Like in the early 2000s, like Amaro really kind of took this real big leap, right? People coming back to these kind of more medicinal kind of digestive and bitters and all that stuff kind of made a, made a comeback. Mm-hmm. Even, even something like Mezcal, right? Which is such a very specific to, to Oaxaca, like such a very um, terroir, terroir driven. driven. Yeah, it's like a, from a place that that it's like that took like such a big jump. And I think there's a lot of these really interesting things, whether it's grappa or, or genipi or arachia, like agricole, agricole, agricole yeah. you know, calvados. Like there's these things that are just very, you know, very specific to, to regions that I don't think get a lot of play in America. And I think that that's you're going to start seeing that trend um happening more not not just in like cocktail making which i think is the easy way into it but just people enjoying yeah. it like like you know it, as here to you man Appreciate i have to it, say yeah. that for me personally i like the high quality 
pure spirit or Amaro, just the way it is. Yeah. And I feel like too often the cocktail just dilutes it. Yeah. And I don't I, need I, this diluted. I, I, this I'll, is amazing. I'll, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Though, the I cocktail. have a cold. Wait, Mike, I have a cold. And now oh, yeah. I feel better. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> the, the, what you need. the thing is, is like you need the cocktail from a certain standpoint to to really introduce people to it. So people <clears throat> don't really start to like look at it as a thing to drink like this. They see it in cocktail um, in cocktail lists, and they like Sital or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's like if you see it over and over again, then when you see it on the shelf, you're like, you know what? What is that thing? Like it sometimes takes a long time for people to really digest it. Right. Yeah. And when it's in a cocktail, you kind of start seeing it over and over again. And then I think it starts to pique more people's interest. Now, there's fanatics and weirdos like us who search out adventurous drinking, you know. But for for most people, their their introduction to some of these kind of offshoot things it is is really coming through through a cocktail list, even even sake like wasn't incredibly popular until the sakatini, and until like Americanized kind of version, at least in America, right? Until the mm-hmm. Americanized kind of version of like they were putting it in cocktails, they were doing interesting things with it, and I think like there, there's all of these steps. Mezcal, best by itself. I don't I don't need a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I just want to drink mezcal with some fruit. You know? So so how do people get into mezcal though? Like, you know, given that, I mean, I, I love mezcal, you know, and again, I'm, I'm one of the weirdos that, that you speak of, but you know, like in, in terms of like how it gained traction, you know, like, can you speak I, that? I, I think, I think it became a substitute for tequila. So, so a lot of the just kind of, you know, a regular person, their introduction to it was it being substituted in some sort of margarita and like, and presented as the smoky version, the, the bourbon, the bourbon of tequila, you know, like, and I think, I think for most people, their introduction to mezcal was through, through a cocktail versus, you know, just drinking a shake. Like, it, you know, anyone that drinks mezcal kind of regularly would just be like, I don't need the cocktail. I just drink it. Yep. I just want it. You know, it's like bourbon, a very good bourbon. I'm not trying to make a, I'm not trying to make a cocktail out of it either. There, there are things that you want to appreciate the like craft that it took to actually make that thing. You know, like this, th- this Genepi is fucking fantastic. Yeah. And, and usually for Genepi, it's it's incredibly viscous and sweet, and it's almost like in, if you oh, go to Italy, yeah. it's like really really hard to drink. Like even some of the best that I've had, it's it's very like thick. Yeah, and, right. Uh, it's almost it's like a medicated simple syrup. Mike, right. do, do you guys sell this here, the Genepi? We do, yeah. Yep. So I can get yeah, a, I can get a glass of it afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, actually, we we. Um, we started with it uh, at Grinchy's, our holiday pop-up. We were, uh, uh, our uh, pastry chef, Emily, was making marshmallows with it. And then we were using that in a uh, hot chocolate um, that had chartreuse in it. Uh, and then marshmallows made with Genevieve. Uh But, um, yeah, we also have it available for drinking straight. For the, no, another theme of the today, note. which Brandon wants to learn more about, the international drinks judging, which I know James does, and... Jaime Asao. I, I only want to know because, like, I want a job. Like, I want to do this. Well, first, just James, it's a tough job. James, the spirit we just drank, and Mike, Mike, you're up there too in that league. Break it down for us. I mean, there's a lot of complex flavors here. There's bitterness. 
I like it. I think I just chewed on a black peppercorn, too. Yeah. Um, Mike, you want to talk first? Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, Genevieve is uh, it's made with uh, alpine herbs um, with the, the, uh, the same genus of, like, wormwood, uh, so from absinthe. Uh, so it's a lot of those very bitter herbs that come from high altitudes uh, and then steeped in some sort of high octane alcohol, basically. It could either be uh, a vodka or a pure spirit. Spiritus. Um, and then. Often. And sugar. Yes. Yeah, and sugar. Um, but yeah, that's what's cool about this one in particular because you do have the body. Uh, which is important. You want uh, the body to be to, to hold up, but it's not doesn't feel overly sweet either. Everything's kind of in balance, and you get the flavors, and the bitterness comes through. But it's also sweet, but not overly, and just everything's perfectly balanced. Yeah, you get you get kind of like some of the like underberg like mm. uh, grit like the the peppercorn <laughs> was good that you picked that because it's like it it's not just spicy in an alcohol way it's like almost spicy in the mouth like in the yeah. front of the mouth versus like down when you know alcohol where it's just like hitting your chest but yeah this is this is amazing it's, it's you know this guy Jaime I saw when he's here this summer not only can he grill lamb and pork on your little grill and. You're going to have pieces of the taste. He's going to pour you little shots of Genevieve. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> or Pisco. Good too. Wow. Hey, we're going to just take a short break and, and be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Want to cultivate farms and food systems that nourish, heal, and empower? Register now for PASA's 2024 Sustainable Agriculture Conference. Discover resources, services, and products at our expansive trade show, and explore more than 70 educational sessions on climate smart practices, food justice, soil health, and more. Featuring a dynamic lineup of speakers, including Reginaldo Hasle Marroquin, farmer and founder of the Regenerative Agriculture Alliance and CEO of Tree Range Farms, and Reverend Dr. Heber M. Brown III, pastor, community organizer, and founder of the Black Church Food Security Network. Find your community at PASA's 33rd Annual Conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on February 8th through 10th. Register now at pasafarming.org slash HRN2024. That's P-A-S-A farming.org slash HRN2024. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Wow, this is our first show of 2024. We're back in the mothership, Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, it's also our 15th season coming up and celebrating 15 years of Heritage Radio Network, and 16 years of Roberta's Pizza. So let's make a toast. Our friend Mike Amity here, Operations Director. Hey. Roberta's hey. brought out the Genepi. Um, Mike, tell us again, Sorry, what Mike. is this? And is this made in Bushwick? Because this uh, is what's amazing. There, there, last year at this time, there, there, was, there was a guy making an Amaro somewhere in New York who had you guys have on your list or had on your list. San Agrestus. San Agrestus. Oh. We've got Kato Saki. A lot of people are making different drinks. Yeah, in, in New York. Uh, uh, Four Dave uh, is also making, um, yeah, bitter bitter uh, amaros and uh, some other cool things right here in Bushwick. Also, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in New York. Yeah, but who are these guys? Oh, January Spirits. So yeah, so they do uh, right now. Uh, they they really just started. I think they're about a, a year or so in. Um, they do a Genepi. They do an amaro, like a a, a coffee amaro, basically. And uh, they also have a gin. Uh, those are the three things that they're uh, that they're selling right now. They're um, uh, they go through 
Uh, I think they are. They were self-distributing, but uh, they're with one of the the large warehouses now. So, uh, like bars and restaurants in in New York can can get them delivered. And uh, yeah, no, they're uh, they don't have. Uh, I think they're basically doing their own sales. Uh, but it's just uh, two guys, and uh, they're making really great stuff. And then you have four bottles of Midori at Domino. How many bottles of this do you have? Here? I think I have twelve, but <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> How many bottles of this do you have at a time? Uh, in Bushwick, we have a couple cases of this. Yeah, uh, we're 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 going to get it to Domino as well. You yeah. you think that you think that there's some like kind of crossover because they're making gin that they were making gin were they making gin first and no, then they I think they started with gin P actually oh, yeah because it it makes sense to then make gin or genipi right because a lot of the same like herbaceous roots and uh, like all, all of that stuff can go into gin so yeah i'm yeah. wondering if the if the collection of herbs that they're using for the genipi is similar in their gin There's because yeah, this the... this would be like minus the sugar right like this yeah. would be a very delicious gin it would be mm-hmm. on the you know, like more herbal side versus kind of the some of the like more fruitier ones that are out now. Yeah, definitely the, the cucumber or the floral ones, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, their 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 gin is also very good. Um, uh, yeah, I, I haven't thought about it that way, but it does make sense. Um, well, let's go down that rabbit hole. Maybe this is the year of some of these traditional spirits. And I in two thousand nine, I was in I was in Amsterdam for ten days. And I was staging at a bar that the owner also had a small distillery. And he was making traditional Udivis and Genevers. Yeah, I love it. The same kind of thing. You'd just have a little glass of it. You'd have a beer. You'd have a glass of that. And that's what I I have my Wild East, you know, dark English mild, 3%. And I'm having this this Genevieve. How deep can we go with things like that? It's like Geneva, Genevieve. Aquavie. you know, yeah, how deep can we like go? Panama with, has you know, when I, my first restaurant in the nineties, Brandon, I was I got a liquor license, and all I got were top shelf grappas that I would only give to my best customers. Yeah, I didn't want any, any other liquors except for that, and that's the only reason I got the license. So, how do we get to that? Like, how can we get to that quality <clears throat> and and showcasing it? You understand? It's yeah. it's it's is a front of business, but. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a hard line to walk because, like, really, the majority of the pub, general public, you know, quote unquote, uh, is not looking for this stuff, or, or they don't know that they are looking for it. At least, there's a certain percentage that, like, if you have pick up a conversation with them, uh, they'll become interested, and you can talk to them and, and get them interested in this. But a lot of people will have zero interest in, in this type of thing. You know, they're going to drink their Bud Light or that thing that they always drink. And that's all they care to drink. And that's OK, too. You know, and you have to, you know, as restaurant operators, we have to sort of uh, walk that line between the two. We have to have some availability for the people that just, you know, they want what they want. And you have to, to honor that. Uh, but you also have to have these more curated things that get everybody else excited. So, Mike, what do you have this year for 24 you know, like my daughter turned 21. She's been going out for six months and, you know, her other friends are 21 to 25. They're young kids. They, they, they go out three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the intro drinks for them that for me, you guys would have here? Oh, for me, uh, a great intro drink that I want to see more of in 2024 are daiquiris. 
um, like a, a well-made uh, classic daiquiri with an interesting rum is like one of my favorite cocktails wherever I am. Because uh, the, the rum can be so many different things, like these agricultural rums uh, from different parts of the world using different sugar canes, all taste different based on where they were grown. Uh, like some of the ones uh, uh, in Haiti, uh, they make uh, they call them claren there. Um, they're like they're grown there. They press the juice. They're wild fermented, and then sold. Uh, high octane, but so much character. Uh, and if you make a daiquiri with with those uh, with those spirits, it's ama- rum amazing. is one of the most interesting liquors though because it's so widely. Diff, like it's just one because it, it geographically it covers such a large space. Yeah. I mean, like people make it all over, but yep. they're so different. Yep. You know, there's just such a wide range of rum flavors. Yeah. It's crazy on its own. So it is really one of the most unique when it comes to this because it's just like there's a lot of rum flavors that that American palates haven't adapted to, you know? No. They just think rum is a dark, Bacardi. sweet. <laughs> or, or like Myers. Or right, like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's it's only those are the one only of those two. two. Or Malibu. And then you're, or, like, yeah, you're yeah. like, what? Yeah, you know? fair. I, I think that's a really interesting approach, Mike, that you brought up because, you know, you're introducing people to something that's really familiar, you know, but you're you're actually expanding the breadth of knowledge as to, you know, what it is that they're tasting with that, with that base spirit, you know. And I was thinking about things, you know, like, you know, we've all been talking about a lot of different things, you know, and I want to go, you know, back east, you know, thinking about, like, things that are, you know, like soju, and I've had, like, mm-hmm. incredible soju. You mean east of, like, Asia? Yeah, well, definitely east of the Hudson River, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, you, th- you think about soju, and there, there's been some fantastic sho- sojus that I've had. I've had the privilege of having something called makuli, you know, which is yeah. starting to kind of percolate. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's. I mean, the the analogy would be something like a nigori sake, but like you know, like the, the Korean version of it. And I, I don't want to kind of uh, reduce it to that. You know, wulangi, which is something that's really it, it's got a lot of different um flavor profiles baiju you know there's things that are out there that you can introduce them you know with much more accessible flavors you know but then you can expand upon that you know once you once you lock them into like a certain kind of cocktail or or, or the likes you know what this is starting with jenopy going to this and jaime's here how do there's so many cultures and so many people from different countries especially in new york it sounds like you're onto something. How, how do we take those flavors? I mean, they get incorporated into your menus, into your cocktails. But 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 how how, how can you push them ahead? You know, you're coming here with some ideas. What do you see that's different here in New York than what you were doing in Chile? I think I think is I think everything is cultural. If you don't present it in a way that should or or is socially approachable it's, it's hard to it's hard to people to get it it's like like what i was saying about the the barbecue things is a it's a cultural thing we do for everything we do or er, any reunion we're always ready for lighting up the charcoal or the wood whatever it's always a fire next to it so it's part of it and we're always cooking and and it's gathering people it's a cultural thing it's not just a cooking it's the experience of of being or reunion, or or gathering. So, I think if if you don't have that, 
it's hard to to spread spread the word, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, in places like this, where where <clears> the <throat> the philosophy is community and it's like bringing people together, it's easier to spread these type of ideas. But but restaurants aren't all like this you know there's a lot of white tablecloth of of segregation you don't care you don't really want to hear what the people next to you are like sometimes it's nice to just be all smashed in together and like have to hear what the person next to you says oh what's that person drinking right there like i know what they're saying about <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, that's, that's and not being weird about pointing and being like no. i yeah. want that right and like the other person being like yeah that, that this is good you should have this and i think more of that has to happen and I, and I think, hey, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole of like, uh, I'm getting old and shit's changed. But like, but like we've lost, we've lost touch with the communal self, like our, us being connected to each other. And I think it's really easy in this world with so many distractions that, that we forget that there's people in front of us that we could connect with. And, and these drinks, like for hundreds of years are here to connect us. They're not here for any other reason. People made these things so that people could all sit down at a table and have them together and they could find a, a place where they could communicate. Yeah. And they're really conduits to communication. Like you drink, it lubricates you, it gets <laughs> you loose. Like all of these things, they're, they're here so that people can talk to each other and they can argue, they can cry, they can laugh, but 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 what they're doing is they're talking, you know, and they're having discourse and they're and they're like having communication. And I, and I think getting back to some of these like kind of more I don't want to call them primitive because it's like really <laughs> like not really what they are, but they're simple, right? They're very they're well crafted simple vessels to get to to bring people together, you know, like pizza. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll tell you if like a, there's a table that had this genipe there, I would be right there like hanging out with him. So it's <laughs> it is funny in in and I see this a lot too here uh, at Roberta's because we have a couple of uh, communal tables which you don't see everywhere, but you see this happening all the time with people if they're shoulder to shoulder uh, sitting next to somebody they don't know, um, but the alcohol that they're drinking or the food that they're eating will spark a conversation. And next thing you know, they're, 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 they're strangers are talking, which is, doesn't <laughs> happen very often, uh, in, uh, in the U S anymore. Well, you, you guys are pretty cool. Um, before I no, ask you, you're guys, cool. Well, yeah, <laughs> the embarrassing questions. No, I don't ever do that. But the, the quote, when, when literally yesterday I said, you know what, we got to do a show to kick off the year in the studio at Roberta's and you are the guys that made it happen because this is a special place and you guys are, this means a lot to me. But James said, you know what? Just thought of this. Cool to invite Jaime Ojeda, Mr. Osada, for today's show. Also part of the international judging circuit. And when I heard that, Brandon lit up when I told him about that. What the hell is I this? I just want to tag James, along. You're can in I like, just, like, can I just be his assistant? Yeah, like, just a, to, James, I'm, where have you been judging beers and other drinks yes. in the last two years? I, I mean, I mean, I, <laughs> three months, whatever. <laughs> Lyon, Frankfurt, uh, Seoul, um, Florianopolis, Denver, Colorado, um, whatever, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, where I'm in a couple coming up in. Liverpool, 
you know, hopefully Melbourne and Cape Town. So, so what are you on an email list or what? Yes, it's it's just it's just a list that goes out, you know, to certain people. Yeah. <laughs> and then I mean, and you, where have you been judging the last couple of years? The couple of years, um, Europe, um, Belgium, uh, um, Brazil, Argentina, Chile. So what, what's in, what's uh, what's in Brazil? Is there United a States. special judging, or there's multiple? Brazil, yeah. Uh, Brazil is kind of unique because it's a big country. Today has the the third largest competition in the world. It's happening in Blumenau, March, um, and is the 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 two biggest one. US has them is the World Beer Cup and the Great American Beer Festival, and the third the third competition they have it. And the singularity is only Brazilian beers. So basically, it's like the second one for only one country. It's like the Great American Beer Festival and the uh, and Blumenau. And how many how many entries are, are going to Blumenau? Uh, over 4,000. So your taste, 4,000 no, beers? No, 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 no. Because no, no. <laughs> no. I just got real jealous. No, no, no. no. Usually, usually I would say in, a, in an average per competition, it should be 40, 50 per day. There's that's a good, that's a good amount. You, there's a good ones you do only 50 in the mornings and then they take you around and, and show you around whatever is happening in the industry. So it all depends. When, when, when did you open your brew pub? Oh, I can't remember. Because <laughs> um, he's dreaming of a song. With, 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 the, with, the, with the corona, I kind of lose track sometimes because all this was pre, pre-corona. So the corona messed up the, t- the timeline. Um, but I'd say like eight, eight years ago. Wow. And then, James, for you, just like a, again, a snapshot, these international beer competitions, suddenly they're happening in South America, too. Yeah. And it's it's a really, really interesting um, kind of scene and interesting sensibility that you're seeing down there. Um, a lot of actually a, a lot of styles are starting to come out of there. The Santa Catarina Sour, you know, that's that's a recognized style. It's from Brazil. Um, and so. I, and, and the thing that I'm seeing a lot of is the the additions in the beers. You know, there are all these different like fruits and woods that I'm just barely kind of like you know like learning, and I'm, I'm loving it. What is it, it was like? Amarana. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing is it's it's an incredible kind of addition to a beer, uh, and so that's that's kind of the value of, of of going to different places and kind of seeing what the sensibilities look like. You know, from region to region. You know, from country to country, you know, to, to be honest with you. Uh, and, I, and I think there's a lot of value there because you're able to kind of be inspired by, by things and you, you can bring them back. And if not even bring them back, you actually have knowledge of what this is and what's possible in the realm of beer. Yeah, and, and, for, and Brandon, Definitely. for 2024, live fire, you've got wood. Tell us how the, the pizza ovens work in, in your restaurant. Oh, they're hot. Hot as fuck. But is there wood in there too? There's wood. There's only wood. In there's there. wood. Yeah, there's wood. So there's wood there's fire. Wood. wood fire. And what about grilling? If you've got this guy wants to do wood fired. I mean, it, it's the the problem in New York for us is it's a you know just it, it comes down to venting, right? You have to have like a dedicated um, vent line for wood, which is a solid scrubber versus versus yeah, and then you have to scrub it because of carbons. Um, so we really just have that, that one wood fire. We have another one. I mean, we, there's five ovens, like pizza ovens on this compound. 
um, not including the ones on wheels that you probably see around the whole neighborhood. But, um, and then, and then we have some small like Japanese grills. We have a smoker in the back. Um, I mean, we try to use as much wood as we possibly can for, for as much as we can. We have, we have a spit roast. If you walk around over here, you can see there's like a spit roast, um, you know, as mu as much as we can get out there and use solid fuel, we, we, we do. What, what's unless, lovely last thing to give you a plug because we love you man without yeah. you there would not be heritage Radio network and thanks for everything you've done for 15 years i don't think this. that's true but well it'd be somewhere else <laughs> you know but definitely you know how many guests that wanted to come here just so they could hang out at roberta's get a pizza get your hospitality at the time i had been going on martha stewart radio and you go to Midtown, you have to wait in, wait in the waiting area, you get on the show for 20 minutes, then you're out. Yeah, That's what but, radio but you was. might see Martha so. Stewart, so you're like... Oh, no, hey, you I'll, didn't see Martha Stewart. You, you might. You didn't. She might. <laughs> but last thing. Okay, Roberta's here. It went over time, but it's, it's the first show of the year. Catered by Roberta's. So I looked online and I saw this thing, catered by Roberta's. Yeah, we do it. I mean, it's a big business for us. I mean, like like Mike said in this backyard. I mean, we have we have ten weddings a year in the backyard here, and uh, you know we had a location in Montauk. We had a bunch of stuff happening there. We cater offsite. We cater in this backyard. It's a good business. We've had it almost as long as we've had Roberta's. Probably for fourteen years, we've been doing catering out of here and and it, it is like part of like what keeps this alive you know we have all these mobile pizza ovens we we go out we do a lot of you know just pizza cooking but but for the most part our catering team is doing you know like mike said back we we call it back kitchen right because we have two kitchens here we have a pizza kitchen and we have a back kitchen in the back kitchen they're doing fresh pastas proteins vegetables and for the most part our catering division mostly does that stuff like a lot of times they'll like come out and they'll want some pizzas but for the most part they're gonna want like you know large format either we either we're doing a whole pig or a goat or or we're doing you know large format pasta and and salad so so for the most part like like there's probably more of that other food that that we get out of the um catered by roberta stuff all right well once again man this is the hot spot of bushwick matt timms matt timms guy started so many of the cook-offs in new york that influenced yeah a lot of the events that his I beard do. looks good yeah man the guy hasn't changed so you got, <laughs> listen thank you one more time brandon james mike and mr jaime asal from <laughs> chile this is a cool freaking show we kicked it off the year thanks to armin spengen our engineer All and right. once again start of our 15th season on beer sessions radio and hey thanks so much heritage radio network we'll catch you next time on beer sessions radio all right thanks so much guys Woo! thank you thank you Pour some more of that jenna pee, please <laughs> beer sessions radio is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.